are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. It's sad but true that, that um, a high school senior this year will graduate, I imagine, 70 to 80 to 90, as we always do in our uh, senior class in the Hammond Baptist. And then, of course, uh, well, of you in the City Baptist High School, I imagine our graduates are total 85 to 90. It's sad but true, but some of those will break our hearts. Some that have been in our schools, I guess, all their lives, nearly. And uh, some that have not known any church but this church, and some who heard me preach literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sermons. <laughs> They'll go into sin and break our heart. Some young, lovely young lady will give herself to the tempter's touch and bear a baby out of wedlock and break our hearts as, as sometimes it happens. And uh, somebody else will uh, uh, marry outside the will of God and not be in church. That is sad but true. I'm preaching to you high school seniors tonight, to each of you, uh, trusting that it will not be you. It is sad but true that of the 114 deacons that we now have... Some will break our hearts. It's always the case. Every year. We know not where the tempter will strike. We know not where the, the backsliding will come. But it's sad but true. Every year. Somebody says, oh, but that's uh, awful. Yes, I know. The Lord Jesus had 12, just like 12 apostles. And one betrayed him. And another denied him. And at one time, they all forsook him and fled. I'm not saying that. It has to be any particular deacon, but it's sad but true. One of these good men that worked with me and helped me in the work here and helped me carry the load. One of my buddies and encouragement uh, will uh, drift away from God and find themselves in deep sin and break our hearts. Maybe a broken home. Maybe maybe the, the liquor bottles shall return. Maybe uh, the cigarettes back in the pocket. <laughs> maybe profanity uh, back, in the, uh, back on the tongue. And uh, tonight, I'd like to preach to all you deacons who are here in hopes that maybe you will not be the one. <laughs> Sad but true, <clears throat> that's in the choir. <laughs> this lovely group of people here in the choir who back me up in so many ways and encourage my heart and cheer me and bless me. Uh, somebody in the choir will this time next year be away from God, backslidden, in sin. Maybe mad at the preacher, mad at the church, and mad at the bitter against God. <laughs> maybe uh, some of the circumstances of life will cause you to be a bit bitter. And it is sad but true. Some of you uh, will break our hearts. But uh, I preach to you choir members individually, trusting that it will not be you. It is sad but true, but some of you college seniors this year that will take your degrees from, uh, from uh, Isles Anderson College and go your way, we'll hear the report, as we hear so often, about some graduate that uh, has gone into sin. Some preacher quit the ministry, gone into deep sin, and our hearts are broken and crushed because of it. Uh, I preach to you seniors tonight at Hiles Anderson College, uh, each of you, to each of you, trusting that it will not be you. <laughs> but the honest truth is, <laughs> uh, the backsliding comes and backsliding goes. Did you know that the, uh, <laughs> that the list of backsliders in the Bible sounds like a hall of fame? The main Christian in the whole world, <laughs> the apostle, whose name was always first, in any listing of the apostles, it was always Peter, Andrew, James, and John, always Peter, the greatest Christian in the whole world, the man that was chosen to head the twelve apostles. Um, he cursed and denied the Lord. They said, you one of them? No, I'm not one of them. You sound like them. you got an accent like they have. And he cursed and said, no, not me. I'm not one of them. I'm not one of them. Don't you belong to Christ? No, I don't belong to Christ. I don't belong to him. And uh, the best Christian in the whole world backslid. Uh, the man after God's own heart. The man who wrote, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The man who said, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. The man who said, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens, thou the mouths of babes and sucklings, as thou ordained strength, that thou not still the enemy and the avenger. Uh, that man. <laughs> man after God's own heart. Greatest king ever sat on Israel's throne. That man <laughs> uh, took uh, Uriah's wife and murdered Uriah and uh, lived a life of backsliding. And uh, <laughs> to say the truth, the friend of God, 
the man who was called a friend of God. Only man in the Bible, as far as I know, that was called exactly that. Abraham, the father of the faithful and the father <coughs> of the Jewish race and the friend of God. Abraham lost his faith and ran to Egypt and uh, lied about Sarah being his wife and uh, lived years outside <laughs> the perfect will of God for his life. The greatest man in the Bible, I think, was Moses. It's sad but true. <laughs> Moses lost his temper, smoked the rock twice, and, uh, and numbered the people for war when he shouldn't have. And God said, Moses, you've lost your chance to go to the Holy Land and uh, <laughs> the Promised Land. And uh, this wonderful Moses, the man, I think, the greatest man that ever put on a pair of trousers was Moses. <laughs> and apart from Jesus himself. And uh, I, I like Moses, but Moses uh, backslid <laughs> in such a uh, way that God did not allow him to enter in the Promised Land. <laughs> Sad but true, but the greatest evangelist in history, a man that had a greater revival than Billy Sunday ever had, man that had a greater revival than Dwight Moody ever had, <laughs> man that had a greater revival than Charles G. Finney ever had, Man that had a greater, greater revival than Sam Jones ever had. Man that had a greater revival than any other man that ever preached a revival campaign in all of history. Jonah, what a sad case. <laughs> this man backslid, left the will of God, refused to go to Nineveh, went down to Joppa, got on the boat, took off on a vacation, was kicked off the boat and, <laughs> and swallowed by a fish and, uh, and backslid. <laughs> sad but true that uh, the greatest judge that ever sat as judge of Israel found a little old gal and fell in love with her and did wrong with her and then found another <laughs> fell in love with her and did wrong with her and lost his hair and lost his power and lost the breath of God upon him. This this great mighty man of God, the man about whom it is said more than any other man in the Bible, the Spirit of the Lord God came upon him. Uh, Samson, he backslid and joined Peter and Abraham and Moses and David and Lot and other great Christians who found themselves backsliding away from the plan and the will and uh, the, the work of God. It's sad but true, but the best man in the entire world, the one man in the entire world who walked with God and who was upright enough to where God let him live when everybody else in the world was destroyed with the flood. That one man, Noah, what a man. Now Noah, who was spared from the flood. Noah, whose three sons and, his, and their wives and Noah's wife, the only eight people in the entire world, Spared in the flood. Noah! Can you believe it? Noah was backslid and uh, got drunk and, uh, and unclothed himself. And his son came and looked upon his nakedness and committed a homosexual act with him, I think. And, uh, and uh, Noah backslid. Uh, let me tell you something, folks. If Abraham can backslide, you can too. And if Lot can backslide, you can too. And if David can backslide, you can too. And if Peter can backslide, you can too. And if Noah can backslide, you can too. I'm saying that uh, <coughs> the greatest Christians in the world, the author of the second book in the New Testament, is sad but true, the author of that book, went on the first missionary journey and got scared and turned back and left the plan of God and left the will of God and went back home to his mother because he was afraid. And he backslid. The most courageous man in the Bible backslid. Here's a guy that could stand on Mount Carmel for the prophets of Baal and pray down fire from heaven and then, and then could take the sword and, and cut off the heads of the prophets of Baal and stand by himself in a, in a kingdom that was turned against him, against the king and against the king's, king's wife, uh, Jezebel. He could stand by himself and could mock at sin and mock at the heathen and yet... I got afraid and, and ran from Jezebel and hid under the juniper tree and said, I'm the only one. There's nobody left but me. The wisest man in the Bible. To say the truth, the wisest man in the whole world, and some say the wisest man that ever lived, and got so ignorant and so dumb, he married 700 women, had 300 concubines, a thousand women. The, the wicked women turned away his heart, and the heathen women turned him to a false religion. And he who was the wisest man in the entire world found himself worshiping at the altars of Baal and building unholy uh, temples for wicked heathen gods. And uh, I'm saying that if, uh, if Elijah can backslide, so could you folks in the choir. And if uh, David could backslide, so could you deacons. And if Noah could backslide, so could you young people here on the front. I'm saying every single person in this room ought to have a constant vigil set up, watching himself, lest he join the ranks of those who once walked with God and those who once knew the blessings of God and those who once had the power of God. 
unless he walked with those ranks and then someday stumble away from God's will and stumble into sin and have a life that's wrecked and dreams that are broken and our castles that crumble because of the awful, awful disease and sin of backsliding. I, uh, and notice this. Satan so often attacked their strengths. <laughs> Satan came to the meekest man on earth <laughs> and caused him to lose his temper. <laughs> he came to the most courageous man on earth and made him afraid. He came to the, the greatest man with the greatest faith on earth and made him doubt. He came to the man who was the most temperate on earth and made him drunk. He came to the man who was the purest on earth and made him pure. He came to the man who was the wisest on earth and made him make the worst decisions. He came to the man who was the most humble on earth and made him proud. <laughs> and I'm saying that uh, he comes and he attacks your streak sometimes and leaves you paralyzed and bound as Samson of old was <laughs> by bound and grinding at the mill with his eyes gouged out, trying to gain enough strength for one last battle again. I'm saying you better watch it, sailors. You can backslide. You better watch it, uh, uh, young people. You can backslide. You better watch it, deacons. You can backslide. You better watch it, teenagers. You can backslide. You better watch it, staff. You can backslide. You better watch it, Christian school teachers. You can backslide. You better watch it, Howells Anderson College students. You can backslide. <laughs> And tonight I stand here and wave my hands and say, Look out! Look out! The devil's after you with his cunning wiles and filthy lies and, and deceit. He's after you. The devil wants to take your bodies, young people, and he wants to make them impure. He wants to put you in lover's lane. Wake up here on the front. He wants to put you in lover's lane beside some impure, wicked boy who puts his dirty hands on you and takes away your purity and decency and chastity. He's after your happiness. He's after your future marriage. He wants you someday look at your children and tell your children, don't do as I did, but do as I tell you. He's after you. He's after you, too. He's after you, bus kids. He's after you, young people. He's after you, college people. He's after you, sailors. He's after you, deaf people. He's after you, young married couples. He's after you, middle-aged people. He's after you, senior citizens. He's after you in the choir. He's after you on the staff. He's after you at Howells Anderson College. He's after you to stand up and teach our own. The devil's after you. And you'd better undergird uh, your faith. And you better live in this book. And you better walk on your knees. And you better hang on to God. And you better have the Holy Spirit walking vigil around you all the time, lest you join the ranks of these whose lives were once great mighty testimonies to the victory of faith and the power of God, and yet who have actually and brought reproach to the cause of Christ. Now I want you to notice something. It is a slide and not a fall. Didn't say they back fell, or they back ran, they backslid. It's a gradual thing. As, uh, as one preacher said, it's, uh, it's a uh, slow leak and not a flat tire. Uh, the devil doesn't come and say, I want you to be a drunkard. I want you to be an alcoholic. I want you to be a, a harlot. The devil comes as he came to David and said, David, stay in bed some morning when it's time to go out and fight. Don't go out. It's that time when the kings go forth to war. Stay in bed. You're tired. And stay in bed. David stays home that day when he should be out fighting. Let me tell you something. There is nothing in this world as important to not backsliding as living by a schedule. Doing what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Having a disciplined life. Getting up at the same time every morning. And going to work at the same time every day. And praying at the same time every day. And living in your Bible. Meeting God at the same time every day. I met God in the morning when the day was at its best. And His presence came like glory with His sunrise on my breast. I'm saying... Have you a schedule, discipline, time where you go soul winning, where you meet God, where you live in His book, and you live by schedule? Here's David. <laughs> David. <laughs> little did he, little did he think. David didn't say, stay home that day and say, I think I'll, I think I'll kill Uriah. He didn't do that. He didn't say, I think I'll, I'll commit adultery. He didn't do that. <laughs> David said, I think I'll stay, sleep in tomorrow morning. And David slept in, and then there was that little gal out there <laughs> bathing. On the housetop, and David saw her, and all of a sudden the anger, the dagger of lust pierced his soul and body. And David burned with lust, and he said, Call her and get her. He called her and got her, and then came his life of wreck and ruin, where one son <laughs> killed or declared war against David and his forces. Another son, uh, one son killed uh, another, and one son raped uh, uh, his own sister. Another son became uh, uh, an idolater. And David's life was wrecked and ruined. Why? He didn't back run. He didn't back fall. He backslid. A little bit now, a little bit later, 
you watch that little sand. Ah, listen, you, if you never take the first step, you'll never take the last step. <laughs> you never take the first step. If you never take that step when you say, I don't have time to pray today. I don't have time to read my Bible today. <laughs> I don't have time to go soul winning today. I don't have time to live by my schedule today. That first little step, and before you know it, <laughs> your testimony is gone and <laughs> your life is wrecked. Same way with Lot. Lot just pitched his tent towards Sodom. Lot didn't intend to, to commit incest with his two daughters. Lot didn't one day say, I know what I'll do. <laughs> I'll seduce my, I'll have my two daughters seduce me. Lot didn't do that. Lot didn't one day say, I know what I'll do. I'll go into deep sin, offer to give my daughters to a bunch of uh, perverts, and let them do what they will. Lot didn't do that. Lot just said, I want to make a little more money. Lot said, I want to go in business. And I want to stay here tonight, say, stand out and say this. <laughs> The most dangerous time in your life is that time when people get a little affluent and get a business maybe and go in business and have a little extra money and buy a little nicer house and have a little nicer car. You better watch it. You better watch it. Let me tell you something. This thing right here and love for what's in there has wrecked about as many people as anything I know. And Lot said, I'll pitch my tent toward Sodom. I'll choose the well-watered plains toward Sodom. And then Lot migrated a little bit today, a little bit tomorrow, toward Sodom. And then he was in Sodom. And then he was a part of Sodom. And then he offered his daughters to the heathen, wicked, vile Sodomites. And then he went so far into sin that when the city was destroyed, Lot left the city and his wife with him. She looked back and became a pillar of salt. Lot and his two daughters went out into a little city called Zoar. And there the daughters committed incest with Lot and seduced their own daddy. And to this day, even nations exist that are causing us all kinds of trouble about the oil crisis to this day. Why? Because Lot just pitched his tent toward Sodom. Just a little bit here. And a little bit there. And everybody, listen, everybody's ever gone into deep sin, started in shallow sin first. Everybody's ever gone into wicked sin, started in some little sin first. Sin doesn't start with cancer. Sin starts with a pimple. Sin doesn't start with blindness. Sin starts with, 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 with nearsightedness. <laughs> Sin doesn't start with, uh, uh, with uh, sugar diabetes. Sin starts with one little, a little too much uh, of the sweet stuff. Sin doesn't start with uh, heart attack. Sin starts with angina. Sin doesn't start in the big things. Sin starts in the little things, the backsliding. Notice now, it's backsliding. It's backsliding. You say, how do I know I'm a backslider? If you are any farther away from God than you ever were at one time, you're backslidden. It means sliding back from His church. It means sliding back from His book. It means sliding back from His throne. It means sliding back from His people. It means sliding back from His man. A lot of folks don't know this, but hardly anybody ever backslides that is still enchanted with the man of God. Almost always a part of it. Is going back from God's man. We're going back from God's church. Listen, you stay in church every time these doors open. I mean, Sunday morning when Sunday school comes, you be here. And Sunday morning when church time comes, you be here. And Sunday night, you be here. And Wednesday night, you be here. You stay right with God's church. You stay right with God's book. You stay right with God's throne. You stay right with God's people. You stay right with God's man. And 99 times out of 100, you'll stay right with God. And you won't backslide into a deep backslidden condition. Now, there are times when it's easier to backslide than other times. There are times when, when it's, it's easier to join these ranks than other times. Usually, these times are at some kind of change in your life. Now, listen carefully. For example... It's easy to backslide right after graduation from high school. <laughs> May I say this? I want all the teenagers to hear me. <laughs> Whoever gave a, a, a high school senior a permit to sin on graduation night? <laughs> Whoever gave a high school senior a dispensation to take one night and on graduation night and live like heathen? God never did it, and God Almighty is going to judge you young people who do not live as clean and as pure and as wholesome and as right on the night you graduate as you did the night you lived before you graduated. Let me tell you something. Heavy, heavy, heavy is going to hang over your head. 
You have no right to go out and take promiscuous advances just because you have a diploma from a high school. Hey, young folks, hey, listen to me. Hey, listen to me. Young people, listen to me. I'm preaching to you. Shut up straight. Hear what I've got to say. Hey, fella, back here with the blue, blue, white, white shirt, you look at me while I'm preaching. I've got some things to say to you. One reason young folks go to the devil, they come to church and act like heathen, whisper and write notes. You know what I'm saying? Look at me, fella, and don't you take your eyes off me the rest of this sermon. Don't you snicker when I'm trying to tell you something right. You have no right to live like heathen because you graduated. That's supposed to be a sign you've got some sense. You have no right to educate your mind for 12 years in school and live like a beast for one night. I expect every single young person who graduates from this high school, I expect every one of you to live as clean and as pure a life on the night you graduate as you've ever lived in your life. And you'll be reproached to me, reproached to your parents, reproached to your Sunday school teachers, reproached to your principals and teachers if you don't. I get so sick at my soul. <laughs> well, I'm out of high school now. Ah, no more Ruth. Listen, after you've been out of our high school <laughs> for ten years, you ought to have the same length hair you had while you were a senior in high school. <laughs> I'm sick at my soul of going up and down the country. And I'm hoping that some of the Hiles Anderson graduates will hear me. I was out in Southern California the other day. Looked out and saw some of our Hiles Anderson preacher boys. Looked like they'd joined a hippie crowd or a Jesus free crowd. Let me tell you something. We're not here to keep you right just because for four years in college, we're here to train you to have convictions after you get out to live a lifetime by what you've been taught here at Hiles Anderson College. Down in that Memphis, Tennessee, young man. Grew up in this church. One of our own boys came over to hear me preach. Went to Hiles Anderson College. I think he has a degree, Hiles Anderson College. And one of our own boys, I love him, came looking like a shaggy bear to hear me preach. And walked up as if I were, I should be, hell, hell, the game's all here. Brother House, aren't you glad to see me? I want to grab a pair of scissors and cut his hair and make him look like a man. Oh, my soul in heaven, when you graduate, it's a time for you to prove what we've taught you is right. If you're going to go out and, and bring reproach to what we've taught you in college, don't you bring your dirty carcass across this platform on graduation night. I don't like your preaching. I'm going to worry about that sometime when I have a little time off. I'm saying that there are times when it's easier to backslide. We have high school students who graduate from Hammond Baptist and come back to basketball games and walk in the basketball game with their hair like a Shirley Temple permanent. Won't you get your purse? Won't you get you some blue eyeshadow? Won't you get you some lace on your underwear? Won't you get you some high heel shoes? Won't you get some pancake for your face? Won't you get some lipstick? Won't you get some earrings? Won't you get some ladies' gloves and lace on them? Why don't you walk like this down the street? You have no right to take what we've taught you and stomp it under your face. You have no right. And walk back at the basketball game waving at folks just as if nothing were wrong. There is something wrong. We ought not to... We ought to be friendly to them when they come back. We ought not to honor them. <laughs> friendly, yes. Courteous, yes. But I'm here to say that graduation is not a graduation from morals. And it's not a graduation from principles. And it's not a graduation from decency. It's not a graduation from standards. Not a graduation from right. It's not a graduation from chastity. Not a graduation from purity. Not a graduation from character. It's not a graduation from decency. No, sir. They call it commencement. <laughs> commencement. <laughs> that means commencing a life of training others now to live as you've been trained. But you say, well, ah, <laughs> I just don't agree with all the standards. Well, you can get right with God tonight at this altar, and then you can agree with the standards. <laughs> I ever see you sailors after you get discharged. <laughs> Run around the country with shirty temple haircuts. <laughs> 
I'll grab you and shake you so hard. You won't know what's hit you. I'll prove to you one paratrooper can lick five sailors. <laughs> There's another time. <laughs> that's a little hard. Or an easy time to backslide. <laughs> and that's right after marriage. <laughs> right after marriage. You see, you don't watch out, you put somebody before Jesus. I love those sweetie faces. I said, oh, they call it boopsie whoopsie. <laughs> I love those boopsie whoopsie. <laughs> I love to hold your handsy winses and kiss your lipsy whipses. <coughs> Pat your cheeksy weekses. <coughs> and look at your eyesy wises. <coughs> Before you know it. Take off on your honeymoon. <coughs> and miss the first Sunday morning in church you've missed in your life, maybe, <coughs> because you just got married on your honeymoon. Another time where it's an easy time to backslide. <coughs> a new baby comes. That little baby can wreck your Christian life if you don't watch out. And that baby has no right to do it. When that baby gets old enough, you bring him and put him in the nursery. I get so weary of people saying, Oh, the nurse is not nice enough for my baby. Oh, now, come on. Get off of that. Your baby can breathe a sut in the catamount region. He can make it in the nursery. I'm not saying that our nursery is as clean as St. Margaret's Hospital Nursery. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that God Almighty is in this place, and He's not necessarily in the St. Margaret's Nursery. You bring a little baby, and you get in line, you stand up there, and you check him in, and you get your little tag with the right number, and when you come back, if you get the wrong baby because you got the wrong tag, don't gripe about it. They're all alike. Anyhow, if you've seen one, you've seen them all. Just take whatever one you get, take him home and rear him for God. Do the best you can. I go up there sometimes on Sunday night. They're waiting up there. And, and you, look, look, you can't tell them apart. They're all exactly alike. For the house, I get tired of waiting in line. Then just go get one and go home. <laughs> we'll say this too. Your baby is sick. Why don't you try using babysitters on Sunday morning and Sunday night? Use babysitters to go bowling. Use babysitters to go to a ball game. Funny thing. You'll pay a babysitter so you can go out and eat together. You'll pay a babysitter so you can go voting together. And yet, if Sunday comes and what baby is sick, one of the parents always stays home. Why don't you get some babysitter to stay home? Look, folks, did you know the purpose of this church? It's not a cafeteria. Come and eat out every once in a while when you want a little different meal. Did you know the purpose of these sermons is to keep you from backsliding? Did you know the whole... And listen, I don't care why you stay home. If you don't get fed, you're going to be hungry. <laughs> you don't get fed, you're going to be a potential backslider. Another time is <laughs> vacation time. <laughs> Folks that would never gamble, go to Las Vegas and gamble to see how, what it's like. I was out in Las Vegas the other day. <laughs> also went to Reno. <laughs> I've never seen one of those um, gambling casinos. I always thought they'd be like a tavern. I've never been to a tavern, but men in the day section have told me what they're like. <coughs> and, uh, but I mean, boy, those places are clean. I mean, honestly, the, the people there have bow ties and sometimes tuxedos and well-dressed. And, <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I in passing just to see maybe one time. You know, you look at those... One-armed bandits there. <coughs> Man, alive. We could pay off our school if I hit the jackpot. <laughs> However, I just... I never am lucky on stuff like that. And, uh... <coughs> but I mean, uh, after all, it's vacation time. What's wrong with one little... Playing one little one-armed bandit? Same thing's wrong with doing it when it's not vacation time. <coughs> It's vacation time. You wouldn't expect me to go to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night. Well, I have vacation time. <laughs> yeah, I'd expect you to do it. And God would expect you to do it. Yeah. <laughs> vacation time. We've got to save money. We can't. Tired? Vacation time. Uh, God doesn't give you a dispensation not to tithe because it's vacation time. Another time is change of seasons. <laughs> Other time is when, instead of all ago, when you get affluent. I did a little, little test of the day <laughs> of 37 men in the Miller Road Baptist Church of Garland. 
Now, I pastored that church years ago. It was just a, a, a bunch of young people. Didn't have any middle-aged people at all. <laughs> bunch of young people. And uh, nobody had any money back in those days. And so I... Uh, <laughs> uh, some of our men now, that were young men then, are affluent now. Some have become lawyers and some have become doctors. One, of, one man became a city manager of a, of a city. Uh, some were, uh, one or two became chiropractors. <clears throat> Three or four became millionaires. One, one man who, who lived in a two-bedroom house, paid $7,000 for it, became the president of one of the largest insurance companies in all of Texas. <laughs> and uh, so I did, took a little poll not long ago, and I found that of the 37 men <laughs> who, uh, in my church there <laughs> who were young then and poor and became affluent or professional men, get this now, out of 37, 34 are not in the fundamental church now. <laughs> and 29 of those 37 are not going to anybody's church anywhere now. Be better off if that insurance company president were still selling policies on a route and right with God. Be better off if those millionaires were still trying to pray for money to pay their income tax hot checks like I am right now. <laughs> then to than to be millionaires and not be right with God. Let me tell you something. There's not enough money in Calumet National Bank and Hoosier Bank and Mercantile Bank all together to pay for the ruin and wreck of the life that's been outside the will of God. Of that group, 21 of the 37 who were deacons, soul winners, Sunday school teachers, active Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night Christian, of the 37, 21 are either alcoholics or in deep sin. Now, you better watch it when you start start a business. You better watch it when you go in business for yourself. You better watch it when you get a little money. You better watch it when you get affluent. I thank God, as I've said so often, for these good doctors in our church, who after they got their degrees and have set up practices now for these years, I thank God they still have bus routes. Overheard Dr. Dennis Peter last night talking to one of our deacons about his bus route. And Dr. Peter was talking about the souls he won yesterday on his bus route. Here's a fine, successful young surgeon. How's his bus route? That's the way it ought to be. Oh, let me tell you something. There's nothing as overrated as the almighty dollar. <laughs> nothing. There's nothing as overrated as financial security. Nothing. Another time, when <laughs> it's easy to backslide, is at college graduation. Mentioned a while ago. Another time is in the summertime when school is out. Have you noticed something that these things I mentioned tonight have in common? Most all of them. <laughs> graduation. Think of it now. What do they have in common? Graduation from college. <laughs> graduation from high school. Summer vacation. Uh, <laughs> getting married. Uh, change of season. Have you noticed anything they all seem to have in common? They seem to have in common? They're coming up pretty soon. They're coming up pretty soon. <laughs> it's time to backslide. <laughs> and ladies, <laughs> I expect you and every other young lady in this room to keep your thighs as covered in the summertime as they're covered now. <clears throat> and the person that tells you to go out here and mix bathe in some swimming pool is not your friend. And let me tell you something. Don't you stand up here and sing anymore on Sunday night. You're going to go out here with a bathing suit and let boys see your thighs off. Don't you do it. Don't you bring... Just let's make the night the last night. I expect you to have the same propriety and the same modesty all summer long as you have sitting right there right now. And that goes for every teenager in this house. Well, you say... And by the way, <laughs> heard about a college student. One of our college men, supposedly pretty good fella, who said, well, I just don't agree for the house on this matter of mixed bathing. You dirty traitor. I was talking to a fellow the other day, preacher. I said, what are your convictions about mixed bathing? He said, uh, oh, I see nothing wrong with it. And I said, well, how about the, how about the, uh, ladies wearing shorts in public. Oh, no, 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 no. I told him a story about one day I was driving north in, in California with a preacher. And he said, now, Charles, you're a little narrow about this mixed bathing. Now, I am not opposed to mixed bathing. I'm not. If you want to get on an army overcoat and go swim with your with uh, uh, opposite sex, it's okay with me. It's okay. 
I'm opposed to mixed nudity <laughs> and mixed thigh showing and mixed navel showing and mixed bosom showing and mixed bare shouldered showing. So we were driving up to uh, California toward the north, and he said, I just can't see that. <laughs> I said, Is it wrong to. Uh, well, I said, you mean you don't say it's wrong to, to wear bathing suits with the opposite sex? <laughs> What do you mean? Not me. I say, oh, Brother Hiles. <laughs> Brother Hiles. <laughs> you know that I don't have evil thoughts. I would suggest a medical checkup sometime tomorrow be in order for you. <laughs> There's not a red-blooded normal man in this room who's 110 and under. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't know I'm telling the truth? I was out soul winning one day at the policeman's house. Big Paul fellow about six foot four, had a little wife about four foot six, ran the show. I never have understood why a guy two hundred and forty has to be run by a gal one hundred and thirty five. Never have understood never have understood that. I mean just beyond my comprehension to understand how a big old guy be run by some old gal. Well, you know, every time he said jump, she said jump, he said how high and so uh, we were talking, and she said, we visited your church. <laughs> and we didn't like it. That meant that she didn't like it. <laughs> and uh, she said, you preached against uh, <laughs> women wearing shorts. <laughs> and she said, there's nothing wrong with that. And I said, uh, his name was George. I said, how about it, George? He blushed. I said, George, I said, when you look at a woman's legs, thighs, and so forth, <laughs> I said, do you always... Uh, uh, have spiritual thoughts, policeman? She said, uh, answer him, George. I said, answer him, George. She said, answer him, George. And I said, ma'am, he can't answer because he's afraid of you. But I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> and I said, I'll mark, I'll mark it down. George has, and so finally George said, <laughs> he said, no, I don't have evil thoughts. And I said, you're sick, you're sick, you're sick, you're sick, or you're a liar. Which one? Well, which one? Sick or a liar? Which one? Well, which one? Well, which one? A liar. <laughs> so we were driving up toward Northern California. You thought I'd forgotten that, didn't you? <laughs> I had. <laughs> That's why I stretched that story out so long. Told you, which one, which one, which one, which one? <laughs> so, this preacher said, Oh, Dr. House, what's wrong with next day then? And so I, um, we're driving along, and there were a couple of hippies hitchhiking. They were, they were laying down, hitchhiking. They had a, 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 a roll like this. The gal had on shorts. <laughs> I said, shorts, tell them blue jeans been cut off and they're afraid, and the fella did too. <laughs> and they're just laying there. Both of them had, had their heads on a pack and, uh, and hitchhiking. <laughs> and this pastor said, isn't that disgusting? <laughs> and I said, what? He said, them laying there beside the highway half naked. I said, yes, it is. Did I tell you how you can make it okay? <laughs> he said, how? <laughs> I said, build a fence around them and dig a hole and fill it with water. Sit still. Huh? Huh? I got you with the hair short, haven't I? If it's wrong to wear shorts outside the fence, it's wrong to wear shorts inside the fence. If it's wrong to wear shorts in the yard, it's wrong to wear shorts on the beach. I'm not saying it's wrong for a family to... Uh, or maybe maybe some young men to find a find a private place <laughs> and buy yourself somewhere or reserve a swimming pool. Our swimming pool at the high school, nothing wrong with the fellows going in bathing with their bathing suits on, nothing wrong with young ladies doing it together. <laughs> but I wanna tell you something. You folks that are operating that high school out there, <laughs> you let those men, young men, walk by those young ladies while they have those bathing suits on, you're betraying Brother Hiles, and you're a Judas Iscariot, what you are. And you're betraying the thing this church has stood for through these years. And you ought to guard it with your life!
Summertime's coming. Summertime's coming. Now what? What to do? One thing is this. You get your Bible. You hold it. And look at it. And say, Bible, I'm not going to leave you this summer. I'm going to meet you at an appointed time every day. If my appointed time is a time while I'm driving a car through Arizona desert, we'll stop the car and I'm going to spend some time with you when I'm supposed to spend some time with you. I mean, set you a scheduled time. Look, there are people in this room by the dozens that September the 1st are going to be vaccinated if you don't watch it. You get your Bible? Listen, nobody! Nobody! He is going to stay right with God who does not live in this book. And when you divorce yourself from a regular meeting with this book, I'll guarantee you, things that used to be real sinful suddenly are no longer sinful. Somebody comes to you and says, you know, First Baptist is not what it used to be. You watch them carefully. You watch and see the way they change their convictions pretty soon. You watch and see. There's more to it than their taste buds have not been satisfied. There's more to it. You watch the men's hair length go down. You watch the ladies' dressing standards change. And I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'll walk out that door. <laughs> and I'll get me a pup tent somewhere or a tent. <laughs> Or I'll preach on the street corner, or I'll preach in the jails. Before I'll stop preaching what I've preached for 35 years. Live in the book. <laughs> Live in the book. Live in the book! Especially in the time, when it's time to backslide. <laughs> Number two. You get you a spot where you meet God. And you meet Him there. And you pray at the same time, regularly. A place... And a time. I know a preacher who once had the fat, one of the fastest growing churches in Texas. He preached numbers of times for Dr. R.G. Lee at the Great Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis when Dr. Lee was pastor there. He preached numbers of times, was one of the most popular preachers for Dr. Beecham Vick when he had the largest Sunday school in the entire world. One day, that preacher left the ministry, went to Deep Sand. I was preaching down in, uh, in East Texas uh, a few years ago, Longview, Texas. <laughs> That preacher came to hear me. And I talked to him. He'd been in sin. Pastor of a little church with a handful of people. Breath of God is gone. Soul winning power gone. Preaching power gone. And I said, Sir, where did you start your backsliding? And tears streamed down his cheeks. He said, Brother Hiles, I started it when I left the prayer closet. I don't care how, how fundamental you are. You're not going to stay right with God very long when you leave your appointed time and place to meet your God. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. A place where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. You set you a place and you set you a time where you fall on your face and meet your God in prayer and beg Him for His strength and beg Him for His help and beg Him for His power. And you do it all summer long. You do it on vacation. You do it on... Uh, by the way, I want to say this before I go any further. I meant to say it a while ago. You young people that did things on the senior trip that you could that were not allowed to do while you were in Hammond. You have betrayed my generosity. <laughs> I helped you raise tens of thousands and thousands of dollars for that senior trip. And you owe me an apology. <laughs> I said you owe me an apology. And you also owe me several thousand dollars. Heard of folks on senior on youth trip. <laughs> Stay in a motel. And so, what they do? In an effort to say they go mixed bathing. <laughs> Don't go mixed bathing. <laughs> the boys get the swimming pool at midnight and swim. And the girls get the pool at one o'clock in the morning and swim. That's not segregated bathing.
I'll close my Bible and walk out that door and never preach another sermon in this pulpit before I'll dip myself to that kind of behavior. I'll just go somewhere else. Well, you can find some little sissy preacher in almost any corner of this town. Won't you join one? You're going to find one. Won't you find one that really is a sissy? Don't get some little half sissy. Find one that's all the way sissy. Find one that wears a dress while he preaches. <laughs> and find one that says, Good morning, beloved. We welcome you into the house of the Lord. <laughs> find one that walks in the pulpit like this. Why don't you go ahead and find a real sissy while you're at it? Or you can say, thank God as a man preaches in our church, and he preaches the truth, and we're going to live what's preached and live what the rules of the school are and behave ourselves. Let the heathen world play the slot machine. Let the heathen world go naked. Let the heathen world hear their rock music. Let the heathen world smoke their pot. Let the heathen world drink their beer. But let the people that name the name of Jesus Christ who walk the hallways of this church hold high the standards of the Word of God and the convictions of right and wrong. Set your time where you live in the Bible. Set your time where you meet God. And set your time this summer to go soul winning regularly. You're going home for the summer? Got it? You go soul winning regularly. And by the way, this is not a sermon to the college, and you know it, but you, you young people go home for the summer. <laughs> Live at mom and daddy's house. Don't you be laying around the house at 9 o'clock in the morning sound asleep, sit in bed. You get up. You get up and make up your bed and clean your room. <laughs> You live with the same diligence to keep your room clean as you do at the college dorms. Also, decide now this summer not to miss church one single time. Also, decide now that your tithes will come out of your check, paycheck, first thing that comes out. It'll come out. And your tithes are paid up, not when you get back off vacation, but before you go on vacation. Also, set yourself a daily schedule. The flood is over now. <laughs> you know, I thought of something today. Listen to this. When I heard Friday night <laughs> down in Knoxville, Tennessee, that Brother Olaf had won his victory. <laughs> By the way, he's home free now. I mean, the judges said, run your homes. State has no right to interfere. <laughs> Seven-year battle. <laughs> Seven-year battle. But you know what? I probably shouldn't say this. <laughs> but Lester Roloff is going to face soon, in the next few days, <laughs> the easiest time of his life to backslide. What's he going to preach on? <laughs> He's going to have to start studying again. <laughs> Really? Now I'm not criticizing him. <laughs> He's one of the one of the greatest men of God that I've ever met. <laughs> Great man of God. If anybody walks with God, roll off the <laughs> I won't tell you something. <laughs> There's a change in his life. All of a sudden for seven years, that thing that has consumed him for seven years, <clears throat> the battle's over. That's what happened to Noah. 120 years, walk with God. <laughs> Had an ark to build. Something to look forward to. <clears throat> a challenge. A cause. And all of a sudden, flood comes. He stood the test. He and his wife and his three sons and their wives are preserved through the flood. <clears throat> the flood's over. <clears throat> a cause of 120 years behind him. A change in his lifestyle. A change in his schedule. He just graduated from high school, just graduated from college, just got married. Something, a change has taken place. What happens? 
that's drunk, but goes naked, haven't changed. It's time for the battle. David has always fought the battle. From the time he took that lion in his own hands and killed him, from the time he slew that bear with his own hands, from the time he took that stone and put it in that sling and hurled it at Goliath's brow and filled the giant and won the victor, David's always been, the pressure's been on and the battle's been raging and the, the cause has been there. But now David stays home. Schedule's changed. <coughs> Different way of life. David backslides. Abraham looked for a city which had foundations whose builder and ruler is God. He finally got to the place where God had told him to go. He got there. His journey is over. His challenge is over. He loses faith. Funny thing. Brother Ray had enough, enough faith to get the promised land. Didn't have enough faith to stay there. Noah had enough faith to fight by himself, but didn't have enough faith to live and enjoy the spoils after the victory came. Elijah. Elijah. What a man. Stood by himself on Mount Carmel. <laughs> Mocked the prophets of Baal. Paid down the fire of God. What carry as soon as that battle was over, his challenge was gone. His challenge. And the thing that kept him right. <laughs> Listen. Do you know what keeps you right? <laughs> okay. How many a woman drifts from God when the children are grown? She doesn't have that alarm clock going off six o'clock every morning. Crying. Doesn't have it. Doesn't have that little body to bathe, <laughs> little the temperature to take, the bottle to warm. Doesn't have it. Schedule's gone. What happens? <laughs> Goes in, turns on the television set, see what's on these days. Watches the edge of night, corner of darkness, secret storm, silent tornado, tiptoe and hurricane, <laughs> all that garbage. <laughs> What is it? Change of activity. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.